So here we are once again, Triple B Adventure listeners. We are now in the woods of Wisconsin. Well, kind of. We got uh, the woods out our back window, but we're on the east side of Madison, Wisconsin. I'm here with friends and family. And today we have a special guest. This is Christina Schwab, five-time Olympic athlete. Christina, tell us about yourself. Um, well, first got to correct you. It's a Paralympic athlete. So not many people know that what the Paralympics are, but they run parallel to the Olympics. So I appreciate you saying it's Olympics. It means a lot to me to be considered, you know, the Paralympics are considered the same level as the Olympics, but Paralympics, we're proud of that because it's for individuals that have physical disabilities. It's even harder than Olympics because you have other things that you have to overcome, not just to achieve that elite level. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of people sometimes also, um, they like, they misinterpret it as the Special Olympics. Special Olympics are a great organization. They have a great message, great mission. However, the Special Olympics are for individuals that have intellectual disabilities. Um, and, yeah, physical disabilities is what the Paralympics are all about. And, you know, that means there's amputees, there's athletes with, that have visual impairments, uh, athletes like myself that are wheelchair users. And, of course, yeah, we compete at the, the highest level, and we compete for the medals. You know, you come home with fourth place, and you cry for the next four years. It's not <laughs> like, um, you know, oh, better luck next time. They're not may not be a next time. If you don't medal at the Paralympics, you may not get another shot at that. So, you know, I have competed at that level five times. That makes me feel really old, but, yeah. <laughs> that's that's amazing. And, and you've done it in multiple sports. Yeah, I competed in four Paralympic Games for wheelchair basketball, and then I also competed at the 2012 Games in London uh, in track and field. Well, track. Very cool. And then in addition to that, you're also an accomplished track and marathoner as well. Yes, I have done every event um, at the Paralympic Games. I did compete in the 400 meter, the 800 meter, the 5,000 meter, and the marathon. Woo! <laughs> Jeez. Um, I didn't medal in any of those, but I am a three-time Paralympic gold medalist in the sport of wheelchair basketball. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> So from one of the kids that I actually mentor, he had a question, and I've got to ask, because of all your accomplishments, he wanted to know, are you a robot? <laughs> Am I a robot? I wish I were a robot, because then my body wouldn't hurt as bad as it does when I'm training. <laughs> um, no, but I have seen amputees that look like robots. I think, you know, we joke around about this in kind of the disability world sometimes. You're like, can I trade in my disability? Because I want a really cool prosthetic leg. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I do get to ride around in a pretty cool wheelchair and different wheelchairs for different sports. So I can see how I could maybe look like part robot. Nice. <laughs> so speaking about the different wheelchairs, can you... Can you tailor, like, how tall you are in the wheelchair? Are there regulations? Like, when you're playing basketball, can you have, like, a six-foot-tall wheelchair and be next to the rim? Or is that, like, what's the deal with that? Uh, that's a really good question. And people that see wheelchair basketball, I think the first thing that they are 
I'm kind of surprised about is that how competitive it is. You know, you think people rolling around in wheelchairs, it might be slow and everything, but it's it's fast-paced and it's full contact. And in terms of the wheelchairs, um, there are regulations. You can only sit a certain height. You can only have your seat 21 inches off of the ground. Um, so that's what that is. But people, based on their function level um, and their disability, are given a classification point value. And you can only have a certain number of points on the court. Um, and then your ch- chair is tailored towards your disability. So someone like me, I don't have any leg function, but I have pretty good core. I kind of sit in between. If I sat up at 21-21 and I sat flat, meaning my front end of my chair and the back end of my chair were the same level, I would be pretty off balance. Okay. So I sit a bit lower. I play more of a guard position. Um, there's a little bit of a bucket to my seat um, so that it, I can use what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So you said a, a point system, so... Describe that. How many points are on the on the court, and what's what's a a typical, typical you know range? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can only have fourteen points on the court, um, and everyone's given that point value system. Um, like I said before, based on their function level. So it goes anywhere from 1.0 to 4.5. So 1.0, 1.5, 2.0, 2.5, so on up to 4.5. Um, and you can only add up to 14 points so me as a coach now like it's a, it's kind of a math game too um so there's strategy to it as well yeah there is strategy to it because your 4.5 players like i said they're going to have a lot more function um so it kind of balances the playing field too um so that you don't have five 4.5 players on the court that have all this function so everybody has a place in a team because usually typically you know your your 1.0s they're going to be maybe a high level paraplegic and in my experience, usually your 1.0s are kind of your brains because they're doing all the little dirty work and they're getting in there and they're getting the picks and they're getting the big guys in. Um, and then your like twos to 3.5s are going to be, you know, your shooters and your outside shooters, your ball handlers, that kind of thing. And then of course your fours and your four fives are going to be, you know, your forwards and your centers that are inside and, and banging and doing all that kind of thing. Okay. So you said banging and that reminds me, I've heard I've heard some terms. I don't know if it's still relevant, or or if it's only for men. But I've heard the term "murder ball" for for wheelchair basketball. That's another thing. Um, that's actually for quad rugby. Oh, okay. So that's wheelchair rugby. That's played by individuals that have um, all four limbs, an impairment in all four limbs. So that's actually for wheelchair basketball, or not wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby. There's actually a documentary movie called "Murder Ball." And everyone should check it out because it's really cool. It's It follows the U.S. quad rugby team and their journey to the Athens games. And we got to hang out with those guys when we were in Athens. They actually lived downstairs from us. We lived in the, the Paralympic Village, which is also the Olympic Village. We live in the same place. Um, we were in a condo building, and they were on the first floor, and we were up on the third floor. And we got to hang out with those guys a lot. and Just really cool people. It just kind of gives you a really good glimpse into life with a disability too and life as an elite athlete with a disability and how hard it is because I don't think people realize that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that leads me into um, another question with um, what do you do with your with your downtime if any when you're in the Olympic Village? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> no, usually <laughs> I wish you could do that. Just kidding. Um No drinking, or it's very limited? Well, it depends. There's been dry villages, obviously. And when you're competing, 
at least on the wheelchair basketball side of things, I've never had a coach that said it was okay to drink in between games. Like it yeah. was, yeah, I suppose. we were there to do a job, yeah. right? You know, that's to not represent. to represent, you know, where USA across your chest. Not everybody gets that opportunity. So, you know, we're role models and that kind of thing. But also, like I said, we're there to do a job. We're not there for socializing or anything like that. And I've been on some really, really focused teams. Obviously, we've won gold medals. And so um, we're there to do a job. So downtime is getting all that rest and recovery, staying hydrated, staying, you know, making sure you're eating the right things, that kind of thing. Obviously, you have practice times, too, when you don't have games. Or, you know, we go and we get acclimated to the time zone. And so we go early. So we're maybe one, two practices um, a day. There's usually, you know, a weightlifting gym within the village. So um, coaches usually want you to go. And you can't just rest, right. you know. So you go and you, you, you maintain your fitness while you're there. Um, you know, after the games, that's a different story. Usually there's a little more leniency. There's some partying that happens after the games, especially when you win a gold medal. Come on, you gotta right. you gotta celebrate that. Yeah. So tell us about what Olympic um, venues you've been to, and how did you how did you fare at each one? Okay, so my first Paralympic Games was Sydney 2000. I had just turned 20 years old, so uh, I just aged myself. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> that one uh, we got fifth place, so down in Sydney, Australia. We got fifth place in that. It's kind of a major disappointment. We had a very young squad, and um, we were kind of favored to win that year, and, and we fell short. Um, coming in fifth was a big blow to all of us. But luckily enough, a lot of us came back after that, and in 2004 I went to Athens, and that's where we won our first gold medal. Okay. And I was with a lot of the core same women, um, so that was, that was really cool. Um, to do that. And then um, after 2004 in Athens, we had a big target on our backs and we went into Beijing, lots of confidence. Um, and we, we pulled it out, you know, we, we won again. So that was, that was awesome to win back-to-back Paralympic gold medals. That is cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And then uh, I kind of took a break from basketball. Well, I went to a world championships in 2010 because I had gone to three world championships prior to that and gotten silver. And I was like, i got to get that gold. <laughs> got to get it. Yeah. So in 2010, um, I went to Birmingham, England, um, and we won gold there in world championships. I finally got that gold medal that I had been striving for. And so then I thought, all right, well, I'm going to take a break because I was a dual sport athlete in college, as you know, because yeah. when we were growing up, you were a runner. I always, you were my role model. I wanted to be, Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to do track because you amazing. were so competitive in it. And, um, and I did it in college too and kind of found my niche in the distance running. And I thought, all right, I, I have to give it a shot. I don't want a what if. So I went on and um, finally focused on track for once. Really, I'd gone to some world championships, but then decided for London that I would focus on track. Um, then I got pregnant right before. <laughs> so I competed in London pregnant. So for me not to make a final in any of those, I was, while I was disappointed, it was. It was okay because there was a bigger picture, right? And I yeah. didn't finish the marathon. I did 10 miles, but now I can tell my first son, you know, we did a 10-mile tour of London together, <laughs> you know, before mom started to overheat, and I thought you were more important than finishing 26.2 miles. It's amazing. Um, and then recently decided that I should give it one more go because I'm crazy and decided to come back and, and uh, give it a go for real and made that squad as – 
the elder statesman, I would say. I was very much older than all of my teammates, but we won again down in Rio. So. Very cool. Yeah. So you had mentioned what led you to pursue track. Yeah. What about basketball? Well, basketball, I think you were kind of part of that too, like really? growing up. Well, I mean, you were living with us at the time and just, I always liked basketball. Michael Jordan was around. Yeah, right. Come on, like, we had the hoop on the, in the driveway. Right, the exactly. The adjustable hoop. And like I had a physical therapist that would let me shoot hoops. Um, because I had a physical therapist that came to school because I was born with my disability. I didn't say that before. Um, I have a birth defect called spina bifida, so I'm a T12 paraplegic. But I had physical therapy, and uh, my therapist wanted to strengthen my upper body and let me shoot hoops all the time. And then I was at a camp one summer for kids with disabilities, and the men's team from Madison was up there. And uh, I was shooting around with them, and then later on that summer... Um, they sent us a notification that they were starting a juniors team um, in Madison. So I didn't want to go. I, I'm sure you remember how shy I was as a kid. <laughs> yeah. and I didn't want to go, but my mom and my stepdad were like, you got to go, you got to try it. Like, if you don't like it, you don't have to go back. But I went and I fell in love with it, and I was like the only girl on the team, and I was the youngest, and I, I just wanted to beat the boys all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> as soon as I, like... Saw that I could keep up with these older kids, and, like, it's that windows and mirrors thing, right? Like, I didn't, we're from a small town. I didn't know that this even existed, you know? Like, I knew that sports were part of our lives. Like, you were into athletics, and so were our cousins and our friends, but there was nothing for me. And then finally to see that there were people with disabilities playing sports and that I was good at it, then it took off from there. That's awesome. So... For the longest time, to my knowledge, your nickname in, in the basketball community <laughs> has been Barney. Yeah. When when, and how did that come about? Um, I will let you know that my nickname in basketball is still Barney. Some people don't <laughs> know that my name is Christina. They're like, Christina, what? Who's that? Um, but anyways, uh, I got the nickname Barney at a camp one summer, had a big-ass purple wheelchair that was way too big for this 12-year-old kid, and the dinosaur Barney was pretty popular back then, so that became my nickname. <laughs> cool. So, so tell us about um, tell us about these camps that you, that you went to. Were they instrumental in your development as, as a person and as an athlete? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right now I have the privilege of being an assistant director to our wheelchair basketball camp at UW-Whitewater. Um, and I've been a camper at that camp. I've been a counselor at that camp. And now, you know, I'm the head coach of women's wheelchair basketball there. So now I'm like the assistant director of that. Um, you're busy. Well, yeah. And you're a mom. And I'm a mom. <laughs> but um, I would say that those camps... I see it every day now as a as a coach and as a, a counselor at camps and stuff and just looking back how it was so important for me to be around my peers, not only just age-wise, but people that were experiencing the same thing that yeah. I was. Um, I thought that was invaluable. And you see it with other kids. I've coached juniors kids, too, uh, for years before I coached college. So once you those kids start getting it and seeing other people that are like them, or similar or have, you know, different disabilities but are dealing with a disability at the same time, I think it's so important that you're around that because then it opens the door. 
it opens the door. Not just getting your foot in the door, the door is open, and you're like, wow, there's college opportunities, and, you know, there's the Paralympics. I didn't know what the Paralympics were. I'm sure you didn't either. Right. Yeah. And so you had also, I mean, I don't think we mentioned yet. I mean, this may, be, this may date us even more, but <laughs> um, I remember you, you were an alternate for the Atlanta Olympic Games. Yes. And that was what, 96? Yeah. 1996. That was 1996, and I was 15. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I started playing ball when I was 11, so I kind of had this really big learning curve, and I kind of went up it fairly quickly. But it was because of these camps and being around women that were involved in the sport, too. Like, I started playing for a women's team in Minnesota um, because there wasn't a women's program around in Wisconsin. So that in itself, you know, I met the coach of the team, of Team USA, you know, so she, you know, was the one that was like, push me, really pushed me. Mm-hmm. Deb Sunderman was her name, mm-hmm. was like, saw a lot of potential in me. Um, also Mike Frogley, who was at UW-Whitewater when I was a kid, they pushed me in that direction, you know. I didn't know that I was good, but I just wanted to be good, and they saw that in me, so. That's awesome. Yeah. So now, have you taken over for... You took over Mike Frogley's position? No. So um, Mike Frogley actually left when I was going into my senior year, and he went to the University of Illinois. Oh, okay. And that's how I ended up going to U of I for college. Gotcha. Um, but grew up in UW-Whitewater with their camps and, and everything like that. And so when the there wasn't a women's program at Whitewater until 2007, okay. and there was a coach there. They had someone in place there, and then he left in 2016 and that's when you know I had to have the sit down and talk with my husband and say hey my dream job is opening up and do you want to leave Denver Colorado beautiful Colorado and move back home to Wisconsin please please can we do it <laughs> was was that a tough decision or was it pretty easy because it was your dream dream job I mean it was tough we love Denver right um I met my husband in Denver and we had a house and we had a family my son Lincoln was born in Denver um but thankfully CJ is supportive enough of me you know he wanted me to go out for the Paralympic team too in 2016 we had a lot going on in 2016 but he also was like I can't tell you no like you know your family's there like this is this is honestly your dream job like you won't be working anymore. Yeah. You'll have a career, and you'll love it. That's amazing. To find a partner like that is, is incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so how did you guys meet? Uh, we met through a, a mutual friend that I played wheelchair basketball with. So wheelchair basketball has given me everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So what are some of the big, speaking of dreams and goals, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in pursuing your Olympic dreams and goals um that hard work really you know does pay off um and also just how important it is to have role models um and to be a role model too now that I'm coaching at this level too like I really think that it's important for me to to be out there and to have my college athletes see that a woman with a disability can be successful and, and you can have whatever you want. You know, like, there's not a lot of, I think sometimes women in general, not just with disabilities, if they have a family, sometimes they 
put things on the back burner, right? Yeah. Like, because the family becomes the forefront. But, you know, you can do it all if you have a supportive partner um, and or if you compromise, too. You know, there's always compromise in a relationship. But I think to be a, a good role model for these women that I coach and to show them that I've worked really hard in my life to be where I am. And maybe it didn't, I didn't take a straight road to where I am. It, it was very windy, but <laughs> <laughs> I eventually made it here, you know, so. That's, that's awesome. So you've talked about who's, who has inspired you in the past. Yeah. And you're an inspiration to those now. Who inspires you now? Who inspires me now? My kids inspire me now. That's what I would say. It's weird how you would ask me that 10 years ago and I would have listed off all these basketball players and, you know, professional athletes and stuff. And now I, I just want to be the best person that I can be for my kids, you know, for my Very family. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. And um, so do you still compete? Or, and what do you do now for fun? Well, I have a three-month-old baby. <laughs> so right now for fun, I sleep. Um, <laughs> when I can, um, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to get back into shape, not for anything in particular, just because, you know, I have kids and they need to be a good role model too, but I swim. That's one of my things that I do now. Um, I'm still playing ball uh, on the recreational level. I won't go back to the international level. Um, I think that ship has sailed. What, what about on the like team level? Like when you, you played, we also haven't mentioned you played for the Denver Rolling Nuggets. Yes. Yeah. So, so I play on the recreational level. I play for um, two teams out of Milwaukee. I play for a men's team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, yeah, Milwaukee Bucks wheelchair basketball team. Awesome. And then there's we have a women's team as well, the, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. Are we the Lady Bucks? I don't know who we are. <laughs> We're the women's team. So it's it's through an organization called Wisconsin Adaptive Sports Association, WASA for short. Um, and so both of those programs are run through there. And I, you know, help out with, with both of those teams by playing. And um, I think on the women's side of things, I'll be kind of player coaching this year. I was going to play last year, but I was pregnant. See, I always, you know, get pregnant and then. <laughs> Most opportune times. You have two <laughs> beautiful boys now. Though. I do. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're welcome. Lincoln they're, and Miles are awesome. <laughs> they are, and they're very well behaved. I'm, I'm, in, I'm thoroughly impressed every time. Well, Miles is only three months old. We'll see. He might be that second child <laughs> that like just runs and jumps into a pool or off a balcony or I'll find on the roof or something. I don't know. I always hear people talking about their kids and and how you can see that they're inquisitive about the world. But I've never seen it so much as I have in Miles. Miles, <laughs> you can tell he's just taking the whole world in, and he's so enthralled and amazed. It's 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 truly cool. Yeah, it's really fun age right now. He's he's pretty awesome, and he is starting to grab things, and he loves his big brother. Like if you want to see him smile, just put Lincoln in front of him, and he's like, "Whoa, yeah!" <laughs> so with all this stuff going on. How do you clear your mind? Is, is there something that you do to, you know, escape? Do you, do you do any camping or anything like that nowadays? Yeah, actually, um, it's funny because when we were in Colorado, we did a little bit of camping. We actually went, there's this great place called Wilderness on Wheels in Colorado um, that's all adaptive. And it's got like boardwalks, a mile long boardwalk up to the top peak of a mountain. And um, they have little like cottages you can stay in there. 
they're just like little huts basically and you bring your sleeping bags and whatever but um we've camped more in wisconsin than we did in colorado so i think maybe that's my job too i have a little more freedom sure especially in the summers and the off season but we really found that we enjoy camping a lot um and it's it's more accessible than you would think you know i mean I know that some people with disabilities like may think, well, I can't camp in a tent. Well, I, we do. We tent camp. We don't, you know, find cabins or anything like that. They just bring an air mattress so I don't get pressure sores. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's fun because the boys, well, Miles hasn't been camping yet, but Lincoln loves it. Like, we tend to usually go where there's like a lake or a little beach or something. He likes to be in the water. We've done kayaking um, up at Devil's Lake, actually. We do. We've done kayaking up there, and that's where we kind of fell in love with that. We're like, that's cool. And then we live by the lake now, so we got to get into that lake with a kayak. But yeah, right on. Yeah. So, so you and I, we kind of we grew up in a small kind of like I tell people it's a farming village. <laughs> Absolutely, it's rural. Yeah. Yeah. So, when when you were traveling all over the world, did you miss did you miss the little farming town of of Dane, or were you like ah? <laughs> Taking the world. Well, I think I'm kind of like you, where both of us were kind of like, let's get the hell out of here. But at the same time, when you come back, you ha- you you appreciate it, right? Like you Absolutely. appreciate that you know everyone or that you're related to everyone. Whatever, you know, I'm a rip, so of course I'm related to everybody. But um, that's my last name. That's <laughs> you, just to clarify. That was my R- maiden name. R I P P. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm related to everybody in that town. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, we when we moved back here, I kind of wanted to give that experience to my kids, too. We live now near Edgerton. There's only 5,000 people, which is bigger than Dane. Five times bigger <laughs> than Dane, by the way. But, yeah, you forget how beautiful it is. And CJ, too, he wouldn't have lived here had it been, like, flatland or anything. He, he appreciates the beauty that Wisconsin really does have. You know, it's green here where it's a desert in Denver in the summers and everything like that. We, You know, I hate the humidity. Yeah. But. <laughs> and, and the bugs the size uh, of small birds. Yes, the state bird of Wisconsin, the mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of other animals, I got another question from my mentee. Yeah. He, um, he wanted to know, can you run faster than a cheetah? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How fast does well, a cheetah go? Well, um, you've had, I think they're called cat eyes. Yes. They're, they're like speedometers yeah. on your on your wheelchair, right? Yeah. How fast have you gone with your cat eye? So that gives you a skewed sense of speed sometimes. Nonetheless, let's no, see. No, 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 How fast were you going? <laughs> if you're going downhill, you're going to fly, right? Like, like 50? I have seen my cat eye hit 50 going wow. downhill, and it's scary as hell. Because you're just inches from the ground, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and all you have on is, like, some spandex and a helmet. And I've also crashed my racing chair going over 20 with the tank top on, you know. And like, yeah. So, you know, it can be a little dicey at times. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I... I don't think I could outrun a cheetah if we were going downhill <laughs> and I let her if I let her fly then maybe but okay nice but I don't do that because I'm too afraid of that now yeah. that's another reason I can't race anymore I'm too old and frail and I'd be <laughs> scared to go down a hill. <laughs> well, you're not frail by by any means. That's that's for sure. Uh, let's see. So when you when you first started training, were you in shape? 
when I fr- no nobody's ever in shape when they first start training, right? That's why you get into. I mean, I don't some know. Some guys are, I think, or yeah, some people. You're probably in shape for other things. Like what's what's that? Uh, he's from Whitewater, basketball athlete. Jeff had, Glassbrenner. Uh, the guy on the Nike commercial. Oh, Matt Scott. Yeah, Matt Scott. Yeah. He is ripped. He's yes. huge. Yes. He, he, he strikes me as the kind of person that was like. Always in shape, like out of the womb, like he came. He probably did. He probably did. You're probably right. I've known him since he was a kid. He probably did come out with a six pack. I don't know, Matt, if you're listening, did you come out with a six pack? That's my question (laughs) for you. He's all over the place right now. Um, But yeah, he, I mean, obviously there's going to be some athletes in whatever sport, right? Yeah. And I think I was a pretty fit kid. Like, we were active, we didn't have video games. We were outside all the time. Oh, I think you and Brianna were the only kids I knew that had video games. We came. Yeah, we but I didn't, wasn't with, good at them, so yeah. I didn't play them. You guys played them, probably played them more than I did. <laughs> your your mom and our aunts and uncles, they would play them. And, yeah, my mom would kick our ass at yeah. Ninja Turtles all the time. <laughs> I needed the Game Genie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the Game Genie. That's that's true. Oh. Um, so... What was the what was the hardest part of making the Olympic team? Um, God, I have to think a lot. Like that was a long time ago for me. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, for me, I think the hardest thing was like the pressure, and maybe not from everyone else, but like from myself. I've always put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and, I mean, once I made it, just to maintain that, and I, I'm i a perfectionist, and yeah. I've always wanted to be the best, and just to maintain that, sometimes it was, I mean, I remember feeling times, especially because I did two sports, and at a high level, like when I was in college, I remember clearly, I think it was 2002, because I was going to world championships for both sports, and just feeling so burnt out, just being like, like, I'm not competing well anymore either, just because I was so tired and not, I was in great shape, but yeah. mentally just spent. Right. So. so did you ever feel like giving up while you were training and what stopped you from giving up? There definitely have been times where I've felt like giving up. Um, but again, I think of that perfectionism in me and, and also just... I mean, you know, our dad, like, you don't quit things, really. Like, he's a really hard worker. He was yeah. a roofer, and, like, a job needed to get done. And, you know, he wouldn't come home until after dark on a roof, you know, like, so. And there's ice and snow and right. all that. Right, but the job needed to get done. And yeah. that's kind of, if you start something, you finish it. So I think that's why I never gave up, you know. That's, that's And awesome. even when I had to stop the marathon in London because I was starting to overheat and I knew I was overheating I had to stop because I was pregnant I I don't know if I've ever cried so hard in my life and yeah. just but I had a coach there telling me you know you got bigger things like this is bigger than this 26 miles you know I was like this is not how I wanted to finish my Paralympic Games but you know I, I gave it everything I could have at that time so absolutely yeah so what would you tell an athlete who thinks they're not strong enough to be in an Olympic athlete. Oh gosh, that's funny that you asked that because, like, I have obviously like athletes on various teams that I've coached that I see so much in them, and then they don't have 
they don't see that in themselves. Um, so I think as a coach, you have that opportunity to kind of build a person up um, and be their resource, you know, see, you know, well, how, if you want to get to this, what can we do together to get to that point? What do you need from me to get you to that point? Um, and I, I also, I think, I hope, I know that sometimes my athletes are afraid of me. <laughs> what? I know. Um, I get that too. I, I got that from soldiers. They were intimidated by me. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where's that coming from? I know. I'm like, I'm, I smile a lot. Like, come on. But at the same time, like, I, I think that I'm positive most of the time. I think that's one thing that I, you know, like, I like to give a, a positive with a negative sandwich it. Positive, <laughs> negative, positive. Like, there you go. You did this well. This could be better. But keep doing this. Like, yeah. you know, so like that's it. kind of my method, I guess, to kind of help people along. Okay. Yeah. And then um, have you have you met any wounded veterans who have competed in the Olympics? Um, they, let me try it. I'm sure that there were some on the track team. Um, usually it's amputees okay. that I have met. Um, out in Denver, there were four guys that were on our Denver Nuggets team. They weren't at the Paralympic level, but some of them were really talented and probably could get to that level if, if they put the training in. Um, but I've met some really cool people along the way, um, you know, doing events with um, just like kind of wounded warrior type events and, and stuff that's that is held in Colorado Springs. But like I said, in Denver, the Denver Rolling Nuggets organization alone, there were there were four guys at one time that were, they were all varying levels of amputees that had come back from different wars and stuff, um, and played ball with them. I loved hanging out with those guys, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So you you had mentioned the Wounded Warrior program. Yeah. Or project, I forget which which it is. I don't know either. But uh, nonetheless, but you've you've also worked with. Uh, you were telling me the challenged. Athletes Foundation yeah. in, in San Diego. Yes. How was your experience with that, and would you rec- recommend them? Um, so, me personally, haven't I haven't done any of their events or anything like that. But you know, when I was coaching junior kids and even coaching the the, the athletes that I coach now, um, if you're looking for equipment um, or even travel grants, they provide those. So, if oh, you're thinking cool. that you can't do something because it's too expensive, and you know, having a disability can be expensive. There's things that you have to have that people with a, without a disability don't have. And so it adds up. Yeah. Um, so, and then you slap the term adaptive on anything and it boosts the price by like 400%, I swear to God, wow. you know, like a bike yeah. that you could go to Walmart and pay a hundred dollars for. Well, I have to pay three grand for. So, Damn. yeah. So, but challenge athletes, there are, you know, things like challenge athletes foundation, where you can apply for grants for equipment like that. So if you you want to get into hand cycling, That's you, know, awesome. you can apply for a grant from them. And they give out partial or full, depending on, you know, your need base and everything. Um, and then I know we were just talking about this, that they put on clinics and stuff. And I know they do, like, surfing clinics, and um, I'm sure they've done – I've, I've had numerous athletes get basketball wheelchairs through them. Um, and those are like four or five grand, right? It can add up. Yeah, a base model is probably going to run you about twenty five hundred, and then you know, depending on if you want Spinergy wheels or you know, certain belts and that kind of things on it, like yeah. you know, whatever. Um, 
usually you need some help with that because who has that kind of money laying around? Not yeah. me. My first car was a third of that. Right. <laughs> you know, we do a lot of basketball presentations. Um, it's one of our fundraisers for the university. We do, it's called Cornerstones for Success. Um, and we go to local schools and we talk about overcoming, um, a dis- not overcoming, but living with a disability and, you know, overcoming obstacles in life. And that's kind of one of the jokes, like, well, kids will be like, how much do chairs cost? And if we're on a college campus, you know, we'll tell them, well, each one of these is about $2,500 or 3000 There's cards on campus that are less than this. And they're yeah. all like, yeah, mine. You know, like, <laughs> you got beaters everywhere and, like... So it's a pretty unique opportunity for them to jump into a piece of equipment that costs more than their car. (laughs) Like you're saying, where there's a will, there's a way. Yes. And there's always resources. There's always resources. Even if you're thinking about going back to school, you know, like um, there's, there's resources, especially veterans, you know, like I know on our campus, they're like, there's, um, They've had like not like a job fair, but it's like a college fair, yeah, just for veterans, you know. Very cool. Um, and so you go in, and they can sign you up for classes that day because there's those resources out there. Um, and you know, if you have a disability, on top of that, you have an opportunity to possibly play a sport if you want to, and um, if you want to get into you know being outdoors, got you guys, you know, which I think is awesome because I would have loved to, you know. I would love to come out and do one of your events. <laughs> well, you are more than welcome. Please, you guys, come out to San Diego. You have a place to stay. All right. And we'll we'll do some epic, epic camping. I would love it. For sure. <laughs> teach me how to skin a rabbit. <laughs> Molly. Kidding. Molly can teach you how to skin a rabbit. She actually did that. I don't... I was kidding. Oh, I don't okay. know if I would like that. <laughs> well, we'll teach you how to throw a tomahawk. How oh, about okay. that? <laughs> He's going to be taller than me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, it's been a pleasure, so we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Uh, Is there anything that that you want to say, anybody you want to give a shout-out to? Um, No, just thanks for for having me today, and uh, sorry if I talked to you. I talked a lot. No, you're perfect. (laughs) No, and I shout-out, I guess, just to anybody that's out there that, you know, wants – to get involved in any of the stuff that we've talked about, you know, feel free to get, you can get my contact information. I, I always love being a resource. That's awesome. So thank you. Anybody that needs anything, you're interested in UW Whitewater, talk to me. All right. So, so give them your, uh, your social media if you have it or your, any contact you want to put out there. Um, oh, great. Do people follow you on Facebook or Instagram or, or just maybe your, your university website? Yeah, so our university website is uww.edu. Um, scroll to the bottom of the page, there's wheelchair athletics. You can read about our sport, that kind of thing. Facebook, we also have a UW Whitewater uh, wheelchair athletics page. Uh, my personal page under Christina Schwab, it is a private page. I have a lot of pictures of my kids. <laughs> um, so, but we'll you know, stick to the university. Then. We'll stick to the university. All right. <laughs> right. Triple B Adventures, get the buck outside. <laughs>